0: Administration of cells are associated with virtually no side effects of any kind. But the preparative regimen is, and that is that we have to give patients cyclophosphamide and fludarabine, a regimen that will eliminate lymphocytes temporarily, but then follow it with whole body irradiation, which uh, again makes patients completely neutropenic for about 10 days before they naturally, uh, naturally recover. And so the side effects are the side effects of the preparation rather than the actual treatment itself. Yes. What are the properties of the cancer cells that uh, the lymphocytes are able to uh, identify? What are the properties of the cancer cells? I understand. So, as you point out, the cancer cells are very similar to uh, to normal cells, but in fact, because they're so metabolically active and because they're dividing. Many cancers do express on their surface, sometimes unique antigens. There's a whole class of cancer testis antigens that have been described, first by Thierry Boone in Belgium and then many many others, including our own group, that are not expressed on any adult tissue with the exception of the testis, or in women in the placenta, uh, but are expressed uh, on embryonic tissue, but no adult normal tissue. But when tumors become malignant, about a third to a half of common epithelial cancers re express these embryonic antigens and can be targets for immune response. P53, of course, is upregulated when it mutates and is overexpressed on cancer cells. And then there are antigens that are shared uh, on tumors and normal tissue, such as melanoma, which are shared on melanocytes. Uh, and there are many cancers, many very lethal cancers, that occur in organs which the epithelial cells of which are quite dispensable. Tumors like cancers of the prostate, uh, of the breast, of the ovary, of the thyroid, where eliminating a disseminated cancer uh, would, uh, might well destroy the epithelial cells of that, uh, of that organ, but not the organ itself. So uh, there have been described now over 100 different antigenic epitopes that can serve as the targets for immune attack that are either unique to cancers or overexpressed on cancers. Yes. Um, Well, yeah, you and then, and then next. Go ahead. um, Since the cancer... Up a little bit so people can hear. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe if you went to the microphone as well, people can hear. (laughs) (laughs) And why don't you go to the microphone as well, so we'll we'll hear your question next. Since the cancer originally probably flourished by acquiring mutations that let it um, evade the immune system, was there any fear or is there any fear that since there's such a large population of these cancer cells, there might be new mutations that, um, that result that um, allow them to evade this therapy? In our prior treatments with earlier versions of the treatment that you heard about today, we've been working on this for, as you can imagine, many years, when patients recur, we study their recurrent tumors, and in about 5% of instances, they actually do lose expression of the antigen we target. But in 95% of cases, there's a different explanation for it. So although it can happen, it's not very common. How do you address or minimize the issue of these anti-cancer lymphocytes from recognizing or cross-reacting with endogenous antigens or cells, so a person's own cells, so that while its purpose is to reduce cancer, may ultimately eventually lead to development of autoimmune diseases? Well, part of the problem with treating cancer using these immune approaches is to break the tolerance that the body normally has to the growth of the cancer. It can recognize it as foreign, but not foreign enough to reject it. The same kind of tolerance that prevents us from rejecting our own tissues that can go awry in patients with autoimmune disease. So it's the target of the specific immune response which is is quite critical. And as you saw in Mr. Wilson, and in fact... Carmela Rodriguez told me today is returning hair, starting to turn white. Sometimes you can destroy the, uh, the, the normal tissue. Uh, and again, in that case, it would be very important that that normal tissue not be essential, like your skin pigment or your hair, uh, hair pigment. But there are, as I just mentioned, unique antigens that are not shared on any normal tissue, like the cancer testis antigens. And in fact, we have T cell receptors that are targeting them as well. Yes. Hi, sir. Jake Greenberg from Boston, Massachusetts, also a a surgical resident at the Brigham. Um, With the results that you're seeing with these immune modulators, do you think they'll be uh, more of a use for some larger surgical debulkings of certain tumors that we in the past have not surgically debulked with the hope of then being able to get them on these immune modulator trials? Well, as you can see, in the trials that we've done up until these very latest trials of genetic engineering, we isolate the lymphocytes from resected tumors, from patients that undergo a surgery, and in carmelo rodriguez 's case, it was a, a subcutaneous nodule and a testicular uh, testicular nodule. But there is no correlation between the amount of disease a patient has and the likelihood of seeing a response so i 'm not convinced that there 's going to be a role for debulking surgery uh, for cytoreductive surgery, but certainly intuitively, what better place to find an immune cell doing battle against the cancer than within the cancer itself. And so by resecting those cancers and isolating those lymphocytes, we're able to identify cells we can't find elsewhere. Yes? Um, I think he's Oh, Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thanks, Dr. Um, Rosenberg. Um, I'm Gary Huang from Oxford, working on HIV medicine. Um, immunologically, um, what I understood is that um, adoptive transfer um, type of therapy is much more individualized to the patient that you target and it requires more human resource managing this type of therapy compared to, say, a vaccine type of intervention. Um, do you see this therapy is feasible to be implemented at mass scale? Well, certainly treatments that can be easily administered, drugs you can take off the shelf, Uh, are to be preferred, and certainly are preferred by big uh, pharmaceutical companies. But I'm not sure it's fair, if you have to cure cancer, that it also has to be simple. Uh, This is a complicated treatment. It is labor-intensive. But if, in fact, we can get it extensively uh, uh, intensive enough and uh, effective enough, then certainly ways will be found to simplify it. After all, when penicillin was first discovered, it was being purified from the urine of patients that were being treated, it was so precious. But in fact, as we learned how effective it was, uh, American ingenuity or worldwide ingenuity and industry found ways to make it uh, less expensive. And so I think if this proves to be as effective as we think it is, uh, I think they'll there'll be a great interest, if not a uh, a remarkable demand for and among patients that have disease. Already, we can't treat all of the melanoma patients that are referred to us here in the clinical center. When we have an opening, we'll accept a patient, but many patients uh, cannot be treated. Yes? Eugene Shanderov from Oxford and based here at NIH. And uh, I would basically, adoptive uh, immunotherapy, do you see any cross-applications to other scientific fields outside of uh, just tumor immunotherapy, potentially viral-related diseases, HIV? Well, it is possible, Uh, and in fact, Dr. Uh, Fauci, who uh, I see is here, and you'll be hearing from in a bit, and I have discussed the possibilities of using this kind of uh, cell-based therapy to treat other diseases that can put foreign antigens on cells. And so, although we ourselves uh, are uh, only studying cancer, uh, there, are, uh, there is at least one other group that have developed immune cells that recognize uh, cytomegalovirus antigens uh, and have shown that, in fact, the administration of cells can prevent CMV disease in immunosuppressed patients, so it is entirely possible that it will have other possible applications. I think we'll take one more question, and then we're going to move on. Hi. Sorry I didn't introduce myself last time. I'm Anna Burstein from MIT, and I'm a Soros Fellow. I wonder, with some of the the patients that you see, in order to have enough lymphocytes to isolate for these adoptive immunotherapy trials, do you sometimes have to let the tumors grow more than you normally, norm, like for the benefit of the patient, you would normally surgically remove them, but you choose not to do that in order to be able to do the trial? And if so, how does, the, how does that work? Um, For patients that have received interleukin-2, there are no other uh, long-term curative treatments. And so sometimes if a patient does appear to us with nodules that are too small to identify the lymphocytes and they've already been treated with interleukin-2, then in fact we will wait until the tumors get to be about one centimeter before we remove them. But it's not as if we're preventing the patient from receiving other effective treatments. There are not other effective treatments. That happens rarely, but it certainly has happened.